We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 485 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, January 13th, 2023. Yes, it is Friday the 13th. It also is the day before the start of the NFL playoffs. Super Wild Card Weekend. Not Wild Card Weekend, Super Wild Card Weekend. Don't forget the Super. Uh, six games. Over three days, your card is as follows. The Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers Saturday afternoon at 4.30. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars Saturday night at 8.15. The Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills Sunday afternoon at 1. The New York Giants at the Minnesota Vikings Sunday afternoon at 4.30. A big spot for our guy, Vikings quarterback and former Redskins quarterback Kirk Cousins aka Kirky. I'm a little bit more process oriented. Yes. Hello, Kirky. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals Sunday night at 8.15 and the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Monday night at 8.15. A big, big spot for them boys at the Bucks. This Monday night, you know, five teams are entering the NFL playoffs on winning streaks of at least five games. First time in NFL history that at least five teams are entering the playoffs on winning streaks of at least five games. Uh, A lot of hot teams coming into the postseason. What that will mean for the postseason, who the heck knows? Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, the only Washington, D.C. sports podcast or show for which there is a new episode each weekday with each episode out oh so early in the morning. The NFL playoffs this season do not include the Commanders. Uh, Coming up on the show is a special guest with whom I will discuss the state of our football team as it is beginning what sets up to be a wild offseason of yet another playoff-less season. Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast and the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. We are going to spend some time talking about our football team, including what Kevin wants with the Commander's quarterback search this offseason, the extent to which now fired Commander's offensive coordinator Scott Turner was to blame for the team's offensive problems this season, Uh, whether Dan Snyder, if he wasn't selling the Commanders, would have already fired head coach Ron Rivera, whether new ownership of the team should change the name. Yeah, you ready for another name change? Uh, And a lot more. Kevin Sheehan is coming up on the podcast. But before that, we need to talk Derek Carr, Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. He is available via trade. He may even become available via unrestricted free agency. He has $40.4 million in guarantees that are triggered on February 15th. So if he's going to be traded, a deal needs to be worked out fairly soon. Will the commanders be in on car. 
Should the commanders be in Encore? I have some thoughts on that. I'll give you those thoughts next segment. And I later in the show, we'll talk some nationals. We finally have gotten some updates on the sale of the Nats. And basically what's happening is the learners are not getting offers that are anywhere close to what the learners want for the team. Uh, thank you, Masson situation. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from one of the many high-level legal experts for the Al Galdi podcast, Neil Mullen, adjunct professor at George Mason's Law School, the Antonin Scalia Law School, and Neil's a big Commanders fan, writes Neil regarding quarterback Sam Howell off his NFL regular season debut in the 26-6 route of the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field this past Sunday. A thought experiment for you. Imagine that Howell had come out in 2021 instead of 2022, was taken in the top 10 as was projected, and everything else about him as a player remained the same. That is, assume that he was a high first round pick, but sat out until week 18 of his rookie season and had the performance that he had on Sunday. Would there be any question at all about him being the commander's QB1 going into next year? Does the fact that he looked really bad against Virginia Tech in North Carolina's 2021 opener have any bearing on who he is now, especially given what we know about what he lost in terms of skill position players from the previous season? Should that matter? On Sunday, the dude looked a lot more like a top 10 pick playing his first NFL game than he did a bargain bin fifth rounder. Folks should believe their eyes and look with some skepticism on the NFL talent evaluation schizophrenia. Love the show as always. Uh, Thank you for that, Neil. Much appreciated. And I tell you, I like the thought experiment. Neil's 100% right. Where Sam Howell was drafted absolutely impacts the way that he's viewed, even though NFL executives are wrong all of the time on quarterbacks and on other positions in NFL drafts. Uh, Sam Howell is not your normal fifth round quarterback. I have been saying that and I'm not coming off that. He is not your normal fifth round quarterback. Very few quarterbacks taken on day threes of NFL drafts were viewed as potential number one overall picks as Sam was at one point. And you know what? Maybe you say, hey, those NFL executives who are so often wrong, they were wrong in having Sam as a potential number one overall pick. And maybe that is the right way to view things. But personally, I am intrigued by Sam Howell. And as things stand now, I think that he 100% should have an opportunity to be the commander's starting quarterback for next season. He should not be handed anything, but he should not be shut out of anything either. He should be in the mix. He and that win over the Cowboys played with poise, mostly made good decisions, threw with accuracy, displayed great arm strength, was a major factor as a runner. And he did all of this playing with a depleted supporting cast and against what was one of the top defenses in the NFL this season. Like if you are the commanders and you are as desperate as they are for a franchise quarterback, Why wouldn't you be intrigued by this guy? Why wouldn't you be open to him being your starting quarterback next season? Email from Todd Bradley on Scott Turner, writes Todd, I grew up during the glory days of the Washington Redskins, three Super Bowl titles by the time I turned 13. It was wonderful, but as I moved from grade school to high school, things started to change. (laughs) I can vividly remember watching the Redskins in high school with my dad and brothers when Norv Turner was the head coach. My dad would scream at the television and say terrible things about Norv Turner. I would think to myself, man, he's insane. My dad, not Norv. But my father has since passed. And now I watch the games with my eight-year-old son. We went to the Cleveland Browns game with my brother and his two sons, and we had a great time until the game began. (laughs) Then it wasn't so fun. We watched in disgust as Carson Wentz completed pass after pass to the Browns. 
And when the crowd started chanting Taylor Heineke's name when Jonathan Allen went down, I sat back and enjoyed it. I didn't take part, but I enjoyed it. It seemed like 99% of the stadium was chanting Heineke's name. It was like the scene in Shawshank Redemption when Andy Dufresne locks himself in the warden's office and plays classical music on the loudspeakers for everyone to hear, fully realizing what is about to happen to him once people get that door open. I knew what was unfolding in front of me. Carson Wentz was walking through that door. Fast forward about a week, and I'm getting my kids ready for school when my eight-year-old son comes up to me and tells me that he had a nightmare. Dad, I had a nightmare last night that you left me at the Commander's game. That's all he said. He walked away, and I thought to myself, what did he say? I left him at the Commander's game? If I had been left at a Redskins game when I was eight, I would have loved it. Maybe I would have slept on the 50-yard line, or maybe I would have caught a ride home with the Hogs, or Wilbur Marshall, or Dexter Manley, or Dave Butts, or Alvin Walton, maybe even Martin Mayhew, but I would not have had a nightmare. This poor kid has lived through the worst of the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders, which is saying a lot. Three team names since he was born, zero playoff wins, 372 quarterbacks. His middle name is Fitzpatrick, and he was all about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Still wears the Fitzmagic shirt that I got for him. My son loves Heineke, and now Howell. My son seemed unfazed when I told him that Wentz would be on another team next year. Like it was standard operating procedure for quarterbacks to come here and either be really bad, retire, suffer career-ending injuries, or just get cut in record time. But it took me a few more days for my son's nightmare comment to sink in. I was watching the Cowboys game with him, and there were a few moments in which I got angry and screamed at the television. Come on, Turner! What the heck are you doing? Dad, why are you so mad? They are winning, my son said. I didn't respond. My wife said I had a mean look on my face, and I was alarming everyone. Maybe it was the 50th end around to Curtis Samuel that gained one yard. Maybe it was the fourth down play that took 19 seconds to develop, and we were hit in the backfield. Maybe it was three seasons of the Scott Turner offense that resembled some kind of play I would run on Tecmo Bowl back in the 90s. But as I cursed Scott Turner's name, even as we pounded the Cowboys on Sunday, I thought to myself, I understand now. My father wasn't crazy. It was the Turner effect. Three generations of my family have been impacted by the Turners. The sad part is that I like the Turners. They seem like good guys. But I really hope (laughs) that Scott has daughters. The Turner effect must end. Great work with the pod. And I appreciate all that you do. Wow. Todd, that was an outstanding email. Let's hear it for our guy, Todd. In fact, As comedian Frank Caliendo said in his all-time great impersonation of ESPN NFL draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. while talking with another ESPN NFL draft analyst, Todd McShay. Todd, 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 Todd. (laughs) Yes, Todd, Todd, Todd. How great was that skit from years ago, by the way? Todd, Todd, Todd. Yes, thank you. Uh, but Todd, thank you for that email. Uh, that was a very heartfelt and uh, very telling email, no doubt. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Scott Turner's NFL coaching career. Uh, he absolutely has things to learn, especially in terms of play calling. But, you know, I don't think that he's like a buffoon, okay? I do think that he knows offense. I do think that his play designing actually can be pretty good. The play calling 
left too much to be desired. And his inability to scheme out of pressure was definitely a problem. Uh, But, you know, he is respected around the league. He with Washington, of course, was plagued uh, by some bad circumstances, right? Eight different starting quarterbacks over three regular seasons. And so I wouldn't be stunned if Scott does well elsewhere, given some growth and given a better situation. Well, if you are in a bad situation, thanks to the negligence of someone else, always know that the law firm of Holson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace goes back even further than the Turners do with Washington football. Uh, Paulson and Nace was founded in 1979. Uh, Paulson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. No law firm does a better job of fighting for victims than Paulson and Nace does. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, this podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, is a success because of you, so thank you. Uh, Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already doing that. Subscribing costs you nothing, and make sure that each episode is automatically downloaded right to your device. Uh, Also, ratings and reviews help out a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying, that you like the podcast. Uh, I absolutely expect the commanders to be in on Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. Now, how in the commanders will be is hard to say. Washington in the 2021 offseason was in on trying to trade for quarterback Matthew Stafford, but only went to a certain level in terms of trade compensation. And so the Detroit Lions ended up trading Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams, who, of course, won a Super Bowl with Stafford the following season. Uh, The commanders in the 2022 offseason were all in on trying to trade for quarterback Russell Wilson, but he had a no-trade clause and preferred the Denver Broncos. And so the Seattle Seahawks traded him to the Broncos. Lucky for the commanders as Wilson of course, just had an atrocious 2022 season. Derek Carr does have a no-trade clause in his contract, so if he doesn't want to be traded to the commanders, then it probably doesn't matter how badly they want him. But Derek Carr is out there to be had. Uh, NFL insider Ian Rappaport of NFL Network and NFL.com on Thursday morning tweeted that the Raiders are beginning, quote, the process of evaluating the trade market for Carr. This points to the possibility of Carr, who holds a no-trade clause and will be part of the process, leaving the organization, end quote. And then not long after that tweet, Carr essentially 
confirmed that report as he, in an Instagram post, said goodbye to Raiders fans. So the post included this, quote, I once said that if I'm not a Raider, I would rather be at home, and I meant that, but I never envisioned it ending this way. That fire burning inside of me to win a championship still rages. A fire no man can extinguish, only God. So I look forward to a new city and a new team who, no matter the circumstance, will get everything I have. Winning a championship is what I've always wanted and what I will continue to work towards, end quote. Uh, The Raiders, just this past April 13th, signed Derek Carr to a multi-year contract extension. Uh, So much for that. But this is a big money extension that hasn't even started yet. Uh, The extension doesn't kick in until the 2023 season. The 2022 season was the final season of a contract extension that Carr signed with the Raiders in June 2017. This extension that Carr signed this past April is a three-year, 121.5 million dollar extension with the following salary cap hits. The 2023 season, a salary cap hit of $34.875 million. The 2024 season, a salary cap hit of $43.875 million. The 2025 season, a salary cap hit of $43.175 million. dollars. Those are some hefty salary cap hits, although as the salary cap continues to skyrocket due to the NFL's massive television revenue, those cap hits are palatable if Carr is good. The problem is that Carr in the 2022 season was not good. Uh, Derek Carr for the 2022 regular season had a completion percentage of just 60.8 his worst completion percentage for a regular season since his 2014 rookie season. Uh, Carr for the 2022 regular season had a career-worst interception percentage of 2.8. Carr for the 2022 regular season had a yards-per-pass attempt of just 7.02, his worst yards-per-pass attempt for a regular season since the 2017 season. Uh, Pro Football References adjusted net yards per pass attempt is an interesting stat. Uh, It's a version of yards per pass attempt that accounts for touchdown passes, interceptions, and time sacked. Uh, Carr, for the 2022 regular season, had an adjusted net yards per pass attempt of 6.01, his worst adjusted net yards per pass attempt for a regular season since his 2014 rookie season. And Carr, for the 2022 regular season, registered an overall grade for pro football focus of 66.6. PFF grades on a scale of 0 to 100. Cars for 2022, 66.6. For comparison's sake, Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz, he, for the 2022 regular season, had an overall grade for PFF of 60.6. Carr, 66.6. Carson, 60. Point six. Commander Carr this season was in the same territory that Commander Carson was in. And all of this happened despite the Raiders in March 2022 having acquired receiver Devontae Adams from the Green Bay Packers via trade, and despite Raiders running back Josh Jacobs leading the NFL in rushing yards for the 2022 regular season, 1,653. It's not like Derek Carr had zero quality offensive weapons. Now, two things in favor of Derek Carr. Uh, number one, he was impressive in each of the previous three seasons, 2019 through 2021. Derek Carr finished each of those regular seasons ranked among all qualified NFL quarterbacks in the top nine in yards per pass attempt, in the top 10 in completion percentage, and in the top 14 in ESPN's total QBR. That's pretty good. Uh, Number two, Carr has been exceptionally durable. Uh, The Raiders took Carr in the second round of the 2014 NFL draft out of Fresno State. He, over his nine NFL seasons, has started 142 of a possible 146 regular season games, and included in that mix is the final two games of the Raiders' 2022 season. Carr, for those final two games, was benched in favor of Jared Stidham, so it's not like Carr was hurt. 
Uh, Carr, upon being benched, actually stayed away from the team so as not to be a distraction. Uh, The 2023 season will be Carr's age 32 season. Look, there are things to like about Derek Carr. He, up until this season, had been a top half of the NFL starting quarterback over the previous three seasons. Like, he had been among the top, say, 16 quarterbacks in the NFL, give or take. Uh, That's better than anything that Washington has had since Kirk Cousins left via unrestricted free agency in March 2018. But to me, if Washington is finally going to fix this decades-long quarterback problem, not play with the problem, not poke at the problem, not put a Band-Aid on the problem, but actually, truly fix the problem to where the team no longer has to worry about quarterback. And we no longer have to talk about these off-season quarterback searches. Uh, The way to do that is through the NFL draft. And I recognize that the NFL draft is a crapshoot. I recognize that veteran quarterback acquisitions can work out. But the way, the true way for Washington out of the quarterback wilderness is a quarterback on a rookie contract and a quarterback with minimal mileage and major upside that the commanders can maximize. And hey, maybe Sam Howell is that guy. Maybe Sam I am is that guy. But I am much more interested in the commanders in their quarterback search this offseason going the route of the NFL draft than, say, trading for Derek Carr. Now, getting a quarterback in the 2023 draft who the commanders really like may be tricky given that their first round pick is just the number 16 overall pick. And maybe the team actually doesn't like a lot of the quarterbacks in this draft. But the problem with these veteran quarterback acquisitions is that you're getting guys who are older. You're getting guys who have significant NFL mileage and maybe even significant injury history. Uh, You're getting guys who are known entities as opposed to guys possessing great upside. You're getting guys who are costly. And you're getting guys who may cost you compensation depending on if you have to trade for them. However, because of the screaming need that Ron Rivera has to have a good 2023 season, given that he, over his uh, three seasons as Washington head coach, is yet to have a winning regular season. And given that new ownership appears to be on the way for the team, I fully expect the commanders to be in on car. I have a hard time seeing Ron entrusting his make or break 2023 season to Sam Howell, a rookie quarterback, and maybe some veteran quarterback. You know, heck, maybe a re-signed Taylor Heineke. I mean, that is the path that I would like to see. Sam Howell, a rookie, and Taylor Heineke, but I am in no way counting on that being the path that is taken. Uh, I think that trading for Derek Carr and taking on his contract would be nuts. If the commanders got Carr via signing him as an unrestricted free agent upon him being released, then going the Derek Carr route would be a lot more acceptable. Uh, But of course, if the commanders really want Carr, are they willing to risk trying to get him via unrestricted free agency in which he can choose his destination? I have zero desire to see the commanders give up draft compensation for Carr while inheriting his existing contract. But, you know, we did see the commanders do that last offseason for quarterback Carson Wentz. So I do not dismiss anything as a possibility. Up next, our special guest, Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, will get his take on a potential commander's pursuit of Derek Carr and get Kevin's takes on a number of other items with the commanders. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grow your business or practice by advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. You'll reach thousands of people in the Washington, D.C. area. Every episode at a very affordable price. Hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. We on Tuesday morning had the season ending joint press conference of Commander's head coach Rod Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew. Right now, we're going to conduct a season ending conversation between my good pal Kevin Sheehan and me. I'm not sure which will have more lasting impact, the presser or this conversation. We'll see. But uh, Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast and the Kevin Sheehan Show on the Team 980. You can follow him on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC. Kevin, my friend, how are you? How many times have you worked out today, Goldie? <laughs> I've only worked out once today. Uh, I am slacking. By the way, I don't know that I've ever told you this, but something that you told me years ago, I now incorporate into my workouts. What was that? Yeah, so I remember you telling me once that before playing basketball, you would take a steam or take a hot shower to warm up. So I, for years now, before workouts, have stretched in saunas. It's the greatest thing ever, so thank you. But you're you're younger, and you haven't had as many injuries. I... Now, I don't play basketball anymore, and it, the pandemic ended that. I was still playing two days a week, you know, definitely a weekend warrior kind of affair, although it was, like, not necessarily always on the weekends. But I would, you know, not uh, – if I was at a health club that had a steam – like, Bethesda Sport and Health always had a steam, and I would go in and I would stretch in – steam before playing that was absolutely essential but if i wasn't playing there i would take i would i would basically stretch in a super hot shower before but i also had so many more issues than you had i had back issues i had shoulder issues you were you've always been pretty flexible and always in shape but I'm glad I, I gave you uh, workout advice from me <laughs> is, is frightening. What did you eat today, by the way? Did you eat anything with sugar in it? Uh, minimal, minimal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe later. We'll see. Good for you. Yeah. Well, thank yeah, indulge you. Indulge every once in a while. We got to. We got to. Yeah. All right, what's up? Uh, well, it is mid January, which means that our football team season is over. I guess let's start with the news of the last twenty four hours or so. The Las Vegas Raiders are parting with quarterback Derek Carr, either via trade or via releasing him. Uh, there's a rumor that the Commanders could use some help at quarterback. Uh, do you want them in on Derek Carr? I just I did the podcast with Tommy. We did that as part of the the, uh, the content. Here's what I don't agree with. I don't agree with anybody that thinks that we shouldn't be trading picks or pursuing a veteran um, because of you know the past failures of Carson Wentz and Fitzpatrick and even Alex Smith to a certain degree. I think they should be turning over every stone in every offseason until they actually find a real quarterback. Um, but I'm not a Derek Carr fan. I've never been a Derek Carr fan. I remember some of the biggest 
debates Cooley and I got into were over Derek Carr versus Kirk Cousins. Because I always said, there's no way I would take Carr over Cousins. And he was like, absolutely he would take Carr over Cousins. Cooley, though... To his credit, when he was at Fresno and he was, you know, looking at quarterbacks and doing film breakdown, he said, he said, Derek Carr is going to be an NFL starting quarterback for a long time. And he was right about that. And that was not a guarantee with him coming out of, of school. But I don't know, for whatever reason, I've always felt like Derek Carr is just okay. Like he's barely in that you know, 14 to 18 range. So putting him right in that top half of the league, he'd be a hell of a lot better than anything they've had around here in a while. Um, but then you have the, you know, the the formula that they, they espoused the other day <laughs> at about being a run first team. So why would you trade for Derek Carr? Derek Carr, as you know, I'm sure also has a no trade clause. I don't know. I see Derek Carr to like the Jets. But, you know, if you upgrade a quarterback, this is the first time, Galdi, and I don't know if you've been talking about this as well. We usually think similarly. This is the closest roster-wise they've been to a true playoff roster, minus the quarterback, in a long time. That defense was outstanding this year, and it's young. They've got legitimate wide receivers and running backs, so... I want them to go get a quarterback once and for all. It's just much easier said than done. And I would never fear, you know, once again, dipping into the veteran market or trading picks or trading up in the draft if you thought that's where the answer was. Yeah, I'm with you on the idea that what happened for Washington with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Carson Wentz should not influence the team's decision on Derek Carr. Like, each situation is its own entity. That said, I really would like to see the commanders go the route of the NFL draft, especially considering that this 2023 draft is supposedly a good draft for quarterbacks. Do you have a preferred path for the commanders at quarterback? I'm just I'm curious as to what they're going to be able to pursue. I mean, you know, just think about it this way. If they were to acquire a veteran quarterback with a huge contract that they're on the hook for, you know, is that what Dan and Tanya are going to want to do before they sell the team? I think some of those decisions they'd rather leave to new ownership, um, especially if it comes with, you know, having to put money into escrow, you know, on an extension for somebody. Um, so I, I don't I mean, I, I actually think what's interesting about the conversation the other day, if they were serious, and I don't think they are serious. I think they just sort of talk and, and they're not even sure what they've said previously or done previously. But if they really wanted to just say, hey, our formula is a lot of Brian Robinson Jr., we're going to invest in the in the offensive line, and we're going to look for a quarterback, either the one we have now in a rookie deal or maybe somebody like Justin Fields on a rookie deal. Um you know, go that route. The draft thing was, would be great, but that's like a one in four chance in the first round, you know, historically. Um, it would be ironic if they, if we look back and say they had a chance at Kenny Pickett. He turns out to be the real deal. I thought he really looked pretty impressive at times this year. But maybe the Pittsburgh situation is a much better situation. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to be allowed to do. But the bottom line is quarterback number one is the number one offseason priority again football wise for this franchise because i'm not necessarily bought in after one game into sam Howell being the guy i mean okay maybe there's some intrigue there um and if you can't work out something better you know maybe you bring in some sort of veteran like jacoby Brissett, and he's there in case Howell's not the right guy um but they 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 didn't have the answer this year. Um, they haven't had the answer in a while, and they've got to go find the answer at the position. Do you trust the Ron Rivera regime to find that answer? No, I don't, because, look, Fitzpatrick wasn't their fault. Wentz was, though. And I think the biggest thing about Wentz, to me, one of the biggest takeaways on Wentz, um, and it's not because I felt this way at the time of the trade, but I almost feel like it's dope central again. Like there couldn't have been bigger red flags on, on a player. And not 
only did they ignore them, they bit on like the biggest offer, the first, you know, suggested price that Indy threw out there. And I just, it felt so much like kind of Vinnie Dan days of, you know, everybody coming to them to look to that, to trade a player to them or every agent coming to get their clients paid because they're, they were so stupid in negotiating and they always overpaid. I mean, I felt that way at the time. I think you did as well. It's like at the very least tell Indy, you're only going to pick up 14 million of the 28 million. So you can do more in free agency, but no one wanted Carson Wentz, the Philadelphia Eagles, pretty good franchise, you know, pretty well run franchise. Howie Roseman's done a pretty good job. They couldn't wait to get rid of him at at a cost that turned out to be, at the time, the biggest dead cap penalty hit in the history of the league. And yet this group, I don't know, it just it seemed at the time like it was dope central and that they were desperate. And, you know, the excuses that they made during the year, the excuses they made the other day, like all they can like part of the, the day the other day was just to once again, tell everybody how thorough they were on Wentz. Like, dudes, the, the ship sailed. It was terrible. You guys got co- completely fleeced by the Colts for this guy. Um, but they, you know, I understood the desperation where they were because they didn't have anything the year before. They clearly don't have anything moving forward right now unless they believe in Hal. And if they be- believe so much in Hal, why was it like even a debate on on that Monday last week before a meaningless? So they got to go figure it out. I don't trust them though as a group to figure it out, and then I really don't trust them Al to actually cut a good deal on anything. Okay, so with the Ron Rivera Martin Mayhew presser on Tuesday morning, and you know the undeniable theme of the formula, this desire for the Commanders to have a run-oriented offense, uh, I and a lot of people were bothered by that. But it's interesting what you've said that you just don't really take them seriously <laughs> with what they said. Well, I mean, the bottom line is their actions s- said differently. I mean. I thought Aldridge's question was the best one because like everybody's sitting there listening to this and I, I didn't watch it live. I watched it like recorded and, and I, I'm sitting there or I, I was like 20 minutes behind and I'm like, man, I mean, formulas, the word formula was used, I think, seven times. This heavy run to pass ratio. This is our formula. This is and Aldridge asked the right question, which is, wait, is this your philosophy or was this kind of an adaptation because of what you had at quarterback and they could have said it was an adaptation that this is the way we could play and be competitive because of what we had at quarterback and what we had along the offensive line that would have been the right answer and in the accurate answer i thought but every offseason action spoke to something different they acquired Carson Wentz. They talked about getting vertical. They talked about stretching the field, being able being able to make NFL caliber throws. They extended McLaurin. They drafted Dotson. You know, they let Flowers go, and Sheriff wasn't a let go situation, but they didn't fight to, to keep him. Um, they uh, they re-signed J.D. McKissick, a pass catching running back. He drafted a tight end who was basically a receiver. Like everything they did, with the exception of drafting Brian Robinson spoke to a philosophy being different than what they espoused the other day. So, yeah, um, I don't really believe much of what comes out of their mouths. And Ron's been a big kind of double talker all along. Like, he forgets what he said sometimes like two to three weeks earlier. Uh, There has been a lot of changing of the mind from Ron Rivera over his three years as uh, Washington head coach. No question about that. More with Kevin Sheehan in less than 60 seconds. But if you want to get a better handle on where your money is going, if you want to get your bills, utilities, and subscriptions organized, download the Hiatus app. It's great. Uh, Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money, 
Hiatus allows you to see all of your subscriptions in one place and lets you cancel the ones that you don't want or need in just a few taps. Hiatus can alert you if any of your monthly bills, like your cell phone bill or internet bill, are negotiable and has an in-house team that actually can negotiate and lower those bills for you. Download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatusapp.com. Hiatus, take control of your money. We're talking commanders with Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. So we on Tuesday morning had the Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew press conference. And then we on Tuesday afternoon had the news that Ron had fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner. We know uh, that the commander's offense this season was bad. If you look at three things, Scott Turner, the quarterbacks, and the offensive line, which thing, in your opinion, was most responsible for the commander's offense this season being bad? Quarterbacks. And it's not just the quarterbacks this year. I mean, look, I, I, I know that my opinion is very much a, a, the minority opinion with a lot of the, the fans and a lot of the people that listen to your podcast and my podcast because I've gotten a lot of it back, which is fine. I, it's not like I don't think that they can do better than Scott Turner. And I don't even really have a problem with them trying to do better than Scott Turner. I do think this was a scapegoat firing. There was no intention of firing him after they extended him last year, had they won one more football game this year. In fact, they would have been lauding Scott Turner and Jack Del Rio and themselves had they gone nine, seven and one and they were playing this weekend, but they're not. I just don't know how. Anybody can be so definitive about a guy that had to start eight different quarterbacks in three seasons, none of whom were any good. I mean, none of them were good. I mean, Taylor's a great story. He's just so limited. Uh, Alex Smith actually played okay on one leg. That may have been the best quarterbacking they got. Um and so I, at times, thought Scott Turner had an offense overachieving games. Like, if you want to talk about a game in which they overachievingly go back to that playoff game when he had Taylor Heineke for two weeks. I know he had been in the system, and they put up 380 yards of offense and 23 points against a, a defense that was lights out, you know, at the time. I mean, they didn't lose that particular playoff game because of Scott Turner. They lost it because they gave up 500 of of offense to Tampa Bay. They were terrible defensively that night. You know, there were games last year against the Falcons and the Giants and and with a bad defense. This year, complimentary football for the first time, and they had a great defense, which led the way. Um, and there were moments where I thought he schemed people open. He schemed up a good running game. But I also was very disappointed, specifically in the Giant game at home. You know, calling a second and 18 from your own eight-yard line with a quarterback that can't even see over the line of scrimmage, with Kayvon Thibodeau dominating the game at that point, you, and he drops him back on second and 18, and, and you end up with a game-changing play. Um, I thought that was stupid. I think, you know, that night giving Brian Robinson Jr. the ball 12 times, again, bad run-stopping defense um, when he was averaging 7.4 yards per carry was insane. And I think it costs, that was a big game that really cost them a playoff spot. Um, there were other games that frustrated me, but I don't know how everybody is convinced that Scott Turner sucks when he had eight quarterbacks in three seasons, had a terrible offensive line this year, um, then had the guy that turned out to be a real big impact player, Brian Robinson Jr., really not available until really the sixth game in terms of playing a lot. Uh, John Dotson, who may be the best receiver on this team, no no offense to McLaurin because Terry's terrific. Dotson missed a third of the season. So it sounds like I'm defending Turner. Um, I am to a certain degree, but I'm not like so standing on a table, stomping my feet, saying this was a terrible thing like we did uh, with the Shanahan's and Mike and Kyle and you know, others that came before him. I don't feel that way about him, but I just think it's a hard evaluation. It's funny that you mentioned the Shanahan's because the criticism of Scott Turner was so reminiscent of the criticism that Kyle Shanahan got during his time 
as Redskins offensive coordinator and Sean McVay got during his time as Skins offensive coordinator. And I'm not saying that Scott is Kyle or Sean, but bashing young offensive coordinators is something our fan base does well. Fans have been complaining about the offensive coordinators in this town for years and defensive coordinators, by the way, Hazlitt and, and Minuski and Joe Barry and the whole thing. Like it's, it's, it's always about the coordinators for some reason, yeah. but the Kyle stuff was the most infuriating because I remember, and you remember, and we both dealt with the same thing. Fans actually believing that the only reason he had a job <laughs> was because he was Mike's son. I'm like, did you see what he did with Matt Schaub in Houston? Are you guys out of your mind? This guy's the future head coach of this franchise yeah. of course he should have been but wasn't because of the owner <laughs> well and now every january come the nfl playoffs uh, a lot of these same people who were bashing kyle shanahan and sean mcveigh years ago lament kyle and sean and other former redskins assistant coaches doing well as head coaches and being in the postseason scott will get hired Not as an OC right away, but he's respected. Jeremy Fowler, who I think is very plugged in, wrote his column two days ago. Scott Turner's highly respected, and he will get a job very quickly. Um, I think he's creative. I mean, the people that say he's not creative enough, if anything, that would have been my criticism, is that he got a little bit too creative at times um, with, with with the running game. But I don't know. I... I, I don't think he's great. I don't know what he's going to turn out to be, but he certainly didn't have a real good shot with eight starting quarterbacks in three seasons. All right. A hypothetical for you. If Dan Snyder wasn't selling the commanders, do you think that he would have fired Ron Rivera already? No, because there's two more years and a lot of money left on the deal. And I think that they've had legitimate cash flow issues. I mean, it's not impacting Dan's personal wealth, but the team itself, you know, has really suffered from all of the other ancillary revenue after you split up the TV money, you know, among 32 teams. We know that they've got the lowest ticket base in the NFL. We know that they've had major issues with other kinds of revenue, sponsor revenue, even though, you know, I, I was told multiple times every time I mentioned it this year that it's way up. Well, way up from what? The pandemic year when nobody was buying anything. Um, but I think that I don't know that he would have paid him to leave. The name, which, of course, so many people hate. Uh, I actually don't, but I know that a lot of people do. You understand business and marketing very well. Do you think that new ownership for the team should change the name, should enact yet another rebrand for our team? Well, my personal preference would be to yank all of this stuff and just go to Washington and we'll deal with that and bring back the uniforms and bring back the real colors and everything else. That's my personal preference. I don't know what's involved in any of it. I don't know how long they have to stick with this, you know, uh, per the NFL rules. Um, I do know this, that typically when you acquire something, um, you know, part of what you're acquiring, especially when it's a retail something is the brand well there's no value in this brand the value is in having football team in the nfl in the dc market you know with by the way i think some people believe a pent-up fan base that will return once dan snyder is gone um and but there's no value in commanders or these uniforms or these colors. I know they're burgundy and gold technically, I guess, um, because it's only been around since February 2nd of last year. So they're not really acquiring the brand anymore. So I would personally be in favor of the new owner saying, we don't want that. We got a special exemption from the league to dump it right away. And, you know, we know that that Redskins, that that is gone forever. I mean, that, that ship has sailed no matter what, where you fall on that topic, you know? Um, and we've been through this a million times. I'm not even going to get into it, but you know, that's gone. But I personally, at this point, 
I, I would prefer them just having Washington as the brand, uh, treat it like, you know, kind of like a soccer team where, you know, the fans end up with their own nicknames. And I think a lot of people would refer to them as the skins, um, you know, but that's what I would do. I think that I think one of the issues uh, in, in, in with the new owner is I think a lot of their um, a lot of their focus grouping a lot of their research will land on, yes, Dan's gone. That's a big thing. It's the number one big thing. But a lot of people feel like this past year they were watching an expansion team and it didn't feel like their team. And they've got to give them some, some sense of, you know, now that Dan's gone, give me my team back, what it looked like, what it felt like, etc. And that'll be a big deal, I think, because I think Dan gone, gone is big. But I think the loss of the name and then really the rebranding and the introduction of the new thing has turned a lot of people off for good. Yeah. The big wild card, of course, is the team becoming good again. Like the people who swear that they're done as fans of the team, would they still be done if the team became truly good again? Not made the playoffs again, but became a consistent playoff team that won playoff games. Actual sustained success. If the team had that again, would the fans who supposedly are gone forever still be gone forever? And we obviously do not know the answer to that question. We don't know the answer to that. And we also don't know whether or not they will come in and say, we're going to give up on those people that are, you know, 50 and older or 45 and older. We're going to just focus on an untapped, you know, under 30 market. And they don't care about the old stuff as much. And, and, and that may be the right way to go from, from a business standpoint, from, you know, building essentially a new fan base. It's an NFL team in a big market. The NFL is king. And, you know, I think that, that, that I, I would imagine there's probably an argument to be made that that's the way to go, that the older crowd, you've kind of lost them for good anyway. I, I think a lot of people, Al, over the years and recent years, just found other things to do other than to invest their time in this franchise. And Dan leaving this year might be, you know, a little bit, you know, it might be it might be a little bit too late for some. Maybe. I mean, you're not going to get everybody back. I think that that's safe to say. Kevin Sheehan, our state of the commanders is complete. Thanks a lot. Al, for you, uh, anytime. Let's do it again soon. A few items for you on the Nationals. Uh, Believe it or not, we are just about a month away from the start of spring training. Uh, And we now know that Nats pitchers and catchers will conduct their first workout of spring training on February 15th, uh, the first Full squad workout will be on February 21st. Uh, Meantime, I on Wednesday's show, episode 483, mentioned how we were hearing nothing about the sale of the Nats and that either the learners were doing a great job at keeping things quiet or there just was nothing happening. Well, we over the last few days have had some things out there on the sale and the gist of everything is that the sale isn't moving. Uh, The learners are not receiving the offers that the learners want. And the Washington Post on Thursday afternoon reported that a Nat sale appears no closer now than it did in April. And that those close to the process believe that the greater likelihood is that the learners will take on a minority partner instead if there is any change at all. How about that? You know, it was this past April 11th that we learned that the learners had begun exploring selling a portion of the Nats to a new limited investor or new limited investors or just outright selling the team. Uh, We had the involvement of Ted Leonsis, uh, Monumental Sports and Entertainment Founder Chairman, Principal Partner and Chief Executive Ted Leonsis. Uh, He emerged as a potential bidder for the Nats, but I just corresponded with the Talk Nats blog, which has had some stuff on the potential sale. And Talk Nats said that the learners and Leonsis are done talking due to there being too much distance between the two sides. And speaking of that distance, uh, so Forbes in March 2022 valued the Nats as being worth $2 billion. 
According to the Sports Junkies on 106.7 The Fan this week, the learners have been getting offers of just over a billion dollars. That's it. I mean, compare that with what has been out there with the sale of the Commanders. Uh, Forbes on December 22nd reported that Dan Snyder had, quote, received bids for the Washington Commanders well north of $7 billion, according to people familiar with the process, end quote. So you take a step back. Nats getting offers of just over a billion dollars. Commanders getting offers of well north of $7 billion. I mean, think about that discrepancy. And that discrepancy is about a number of things, but among them is the Masson situation. The Masson situation is really hurting the learners in trying to sell the Nats. There's not a doubt in my mind about that. And if you're a Nats fan, this lame duck ownership situation is not good. The team right now essentially has ownership that doesn't want the team. Uh, That's a problem. That's not good for the organization. The Nats are in a top 10 television market in the Washington, D.C. television market. The Nats are in an area in which there is a lot of wealth. The Nats have drawn well for years. The Nats as a team have a lot going for them, even with the current state of the team, i.e. the team being in a rebuild. But because the team's local television revenue isn't what it could be due to the never-ending Masson saga, the team isn't worth what it could be worth. And so the learners, at least right now, are getting humbled big time by the sale process. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 486, will feature reaction to and analysis of the first five games of the NFL playoffs. Super wildcard weekend from a commander's perspective. This is always one of my favorite things to do each year, talk NFL playoffs from the perspective of our team, which, uh, let's face it, usually is not in the NFL playoffs. Uh, Also, on Monday's show, I'll discuss the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. The Capitals are home to the Philadelphia Flyers Saturday night at 7. The Wizards are home to the New York Knicks Friday night at 7. And we have college basketball this weekend. Maryland is at Iowa Sunday afternoon at 4.30. Number 13, Virginia, is at Florida State Saturday afternoon at 4. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. I'm a little bit more process-oriented.